Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, yeah, it's the 420 edition today, folks. First 420 edition of the show since April 20th, 2015. It's 2020 now. It's been a shitty year so far, if you're paying attention. <laughs> Episode 246 of the Anakin Florian Podcast. AnakinFlorianPodcast.com is now live if you want to get in on the right now pound-for-pound pound tournament. But, Kemflo, we got some fights to talk about. UFC 249. Well, first of all, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's great to see you as well. I want to Thank give you. a shout-out to uh, Dr. Florian, my dad. Uh, it's his birthday today. Every 420 is his birthday, you see. So uh, shout-out to my dad. Happy birthday. Wow, so Still going strong. Gus, Dr. Florian is a 420 <laughs> baby. So my second daughter was born on April 22nd. And I'm sitting there in Las Vegas. You know, I'll, I'll have this 420 baby. Come on, Tatum. And she wanted to come out on on uh, on April 22nd, so we missed out on the 420. Uh, uh, but we did not miss out on the 420 episode this year. You know, I've smoked weed with many fighters, but there's only one man I thought to book for the 420 episode. So UFC bantamweight contender Sugar Sean O'Malley is going to be with us in about five minutes or so off the top of the show. Uh, but Ken Flo, it looks as though May 9th is going to be the UFC's return to action. It looks as though it'll be an interim lightweight championship fight between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje, the fight that was to have gone down April 18th, two days ago. Tony Ferguson intimated that he was going to make weight on Friday, April 17th, and that's exactly what the man did. 
Now, I know you had some practice weight cuts and things like that back in the day, but I got to know your thoughts on Tony making the decision to do a practice weight cut in theory three weeks before he'll do it for real. You know, when I looked at this and I said, you know, what is Tony doing? This guy, that is not healthy for you physically. But, you know, Tony's the kind of guy that does a lot of things that kind of don't make sense. But it's what makes Tony, Tony. You know, it separates him from everybody else. This guy just thinks differently. He does things differently than everybody else. And I think that gives him a certain strength and determination uh, to go out there and do what very few people can do and to get that kind of consistency. So... I'm definitely not going to doubt Tony right. Ferguson. Um, you know, I think it's his mind that makes him so great and in, in, in things like this. So I think he probably needed to do that to keep his focus, to keep himself ready. And uh, just to kind of let everybody know, like, hey, I can do this. I, I'm going to make the wait and I'm ready to do this any weekend you ask. And I think he was on point with his weight leading up to it. I think it was Ariel Helwani who tweeted that, you know, he was 164 pounds the day before. So it really wasn't like a huge uh, weight cut. Uh, this is a guy who's in shape and, and ready to rock. And that fight against Gaethje is going to be bananas if the UFC is able to pull it off. And it truly is champ shit only, right? It is yeah. his tagline. Like only champions would be able to do this stuff. Correct me if I'm wrong though. Genetically, Kenny, uh, there are some people, you know, uh, Kenny Florian, Paul Felder, a couple of lightweights who come to mind. There's just no way genetically, physically doing this three weeks out from a championship fight would be a possibility. No, I mean, for absolutely for a lot of people, absolutely not. And, um, you know, Ferguson is the kind of guy who doesn't, uh, you know, adhere to, to, to certain norms. And um, it, it's amazing, man. Uh, I think. You know, it, it's it's especially interesting that he didn't make 156 because he would have made it. He would have made it. He did 155. That's championship weight. Yeah. So absolutely champ shit only. What a legend. What a total legend. First ballot future UFC Hall of Famer, even though remarkably he's never competed for the UFC's undisputed lightweight championship. Still not getting that opportunity on May 9th, but he will fight Justin Gaethje, a guy who doesn't cut a whole lot of weight. So, uh Props to Tony Ferguson for, you know, towing his own line and, and doing whatever he wants to do uh, whenever he wants to do it. I love watching everything he's doing, throwing the baseballs. You know, people don't realize how good an athlete he was, not just the wrestling, but as a baseball player. So uh, we will be tracking Tony Ferguson's every move leading up to May 9th. And hopefully that interim title fight uh, with Justin Gaethje does, in fact, stay together. So, Kenny, the UFC uh, hasn't confirmed anything, but we have seen some other fight announcements and things, reports come out. One fight that wasn't on anybody's radar, you know, we've talked about Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Francis Ngannou and other fights that are just getting moved to May mm -hmm. 9th, but a rematch between lightweight division staples, the former champion Anthony Showtime Pettis taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone. This wow. is a rematch of a 2013 meeting. So that one lasted two minutes and 35 seconds. It was a win for Showtime by TKO. So now they're going to meet again, presumably at 170 pounds, might be the featured prelim on ESPN May 9th. So just another injection of talent to what is shaping up as a mega card on May 9th. First of all, I think that's great matchmaking. You know, their first fight seems like it was a lifetime ago. Yeah. Um, that was a very different Cowboy Cerrone. Anthony Pettis really was kind of 
moving towards his peak at that point in his career. Uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, it seemed like, was still kind of getting his beak wet in the UFC. Um, but I think Cerrone is a much more technical fighter at this stage of his career. Certainly has much more experience now. Um, and, you know, both of them are kind of at a crossroads uh, right now. So I, I think it's it's smart matchmaking in that regard as, as far as way, where they are at this point in their careers. Both excellent strikers, both excellent uh, and, and dangerous grapplers. Um, and, you know, that's a fight I would love to see. I certainly think it's going to go way longer than a couple of minutes. I think yeah. Cowboy Cerrone is going to be ready for that body kick this time around, or it should be anyway. Um, and I, I think it it kind of shows, you know, for Anthony Pettis, he's still kind of that same guy in that he starts very quickly. Cowboy Cerrone starts very slowly. So I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Pettis really tries to, you know, uh, turn the turbos on early in that fight once again uh and Cerrone better be ready to, to start that fight obviously that's been a struggle for him throughout his career uh but I'm excited for that fight I like that so 19 days from now you're potentially getting Pettis Cerrone too you're getting Francis Ngannou versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike Calvin Cater against Jeremy Stevens on and on it goes all leading into a championship triple header Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer Ferguson Gaethje as we mentioned and then the presumed co-main event for the UFC Bantamweight title between Henry Cejudo and the returning Dominic Cruz and it's just absolutely incredible the circumstances surrounding this fight uh, I know Dominic exceedingly well I also have a close personal relationship with Henry Cejudo uh, they've been on each other's radars for some time they are both Arizona boys and uh I'm really excited stylistically, not only to see Dominic back, but to see how these guys match skills and wits on fight night. As we will talk about later on for the right now pound for pound tournament, styles make fights. We say it all the time, but the way that Dominic Cruz matches up against Henry Cejudo, man, uh, that is going to be very, very interesting. Henry Cejudo has never faced anyone like Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz is so unique. Good luck trying to find a training partner that moves like him, uh, that can adapt like him. Um, and I tell you what, Dominic Cruz is extremely motivated to fight. He's been training his ass off uh, ever since his loss against Cody Garbrandt. Um, I, I think it's been a, um, you know, a different approach for him in some ways. I think Dominic Cruz um, has looked at that weakness and said, you know, I got to fill that. I, I got to make that better. He has been extremely motivated to become a better and more evolved fighter. And I think we will see just that. And it's not like he can't wrestle either. Uh, Dominic Cruz right. is such a smart fighter, man. Uh, I can't wait to see that one. That is a really interesting fight. And a lot of times we don't see, see Cejudo utilize his wrestling as much as we would like. So I'm curious to see how much he uses it in that fight against Dominic Cruz. I communicated with Dom in early April when he had about a month before the fight. And I don't know if I told you this, Kenny, but he, he was short with me, obviously. I mean, he's keeping things close to the vest, but he yeah. just repeatedly said there's a lot of hard work to be done. You know, I think he understood that May was a likely month in which he was going to return. Things got expedited a little bit. Um, and he's got his pedal to the metal. You know, I mean, nobody's working harder. There may be people who work as hard as Dominic Cruz, and Henry Cejudo is right there, legendary strength of conditioning habits, of course. But uh, Dom's working hard, no doubt about it. And a big advantage for Dominic, you know, with this, you know, extra month to prepare. Oh, it is about a month, John, about a little extra month, right, for him to prepare. I, I think that helps him. So long as he stays healthy, I think, you know, Dom wants to be or has to be in shape for that kind of style that he has. So I think it gives him that much uh, more time to kind of get his cardio and conditioning in order. 
no division, at least among the men, more interesting for me right now than 135 pounds. Speaking of which, a guy on the outside looking in, but likely not for long. Let's get to the Sugar Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I go by the name of Blast 89. I'm coming straight from Yonkers, New York. That's right. And I'm just trying to smoke on that Sugar Show. OG quarantined in my robe, looking extra cozy, but don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. I fight Ferguson myself to get out of this prison that I call home. Hit up Sean Shelby. Book it. Can't complain. We all healthy. Another reason why we light one up. Pass the blunt. I mean, papers trying to spare my lungs. Sometimes I just love the flavor. Cause too much of something good leaves me in danger. Not weed though. The smoke kiss my throat like Jordan from the free throw. Told my girl if she don't know who can Florian is. Taking her back to where we first met. In the DeLorean, kid. I need Derek Lewis on the second verse. Dropping hot bars instead of hot balls. Rousey find ass that I could use a nurse Even if my charm gets me on bar Just bring more weed, Mr. Annick I bring the peace, fuck the annex The world could use more love until the gloves are on But until then, I'ma hit the bong And watch Nate Diaz fight until another song Ain't nothing wrong with a little bit of weed Just don't abuse no, no, no. All right, now joining us about 10 a.m. his time before training live at the gym. A guy who I believe is going to be a real problem for the rest of this UFC Bantamweight division, probably for the next decade because he was born in 1994. He is 11-0 right now and on a mission for greatness, my friend, our good friend, Sugar Sean O'Malley. What's up, my man? What's up, guys? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Super excited. So, dude, it's mind-numbing to think that it was only 45 days ago when you won a bonus for that beautiful finish of Jose Teco Quinones. I'd imagine, not unlike for us and everybody else, that feels like more than 45 days ago for you. Yeah, it, it's weird. I'm, I'm so ready to get back in there. I'm like, it, feel like, it feels like it was forever ago. I'm ready to get back in there and, and, and do it again, especially being off those two years. And I was so you know, if you look at my entire career, I've fought four or five times every year since I was 16. So taking those two years off, I'm like, I feel like I got a lot, not a lot to make up for, but I just, I just crave it more than I usually do. Yeah. So I know your training circle is small. You essentially have your own personal head coach, your good friend, Tim Welch. How has your day-to-day life though and training life been, been most impacted by, uh, by COVID-19 and, and any isolation restrictions that you have out there? Um, not, not a ton. We're training. We're at the gym right now before before training. We usually Monday, Wednesday, Friday we train live competition grappling. Start from our feet. There's usually a group of six. Like today, we have me, Tim, and then four other killers. Uh, Tankino's in that in that list, yep. and then I think three other black belts. Um, and they're they're it, today's they're probably gonna be ten minute rounds. We we'll probably do six ten minute rounds. So. It, and that's what I've been doing the last those two years I was off is doing this exact training, just competition training. And it's the training I love the most. Um, Wednesday will we'll be in a gi. That's usually where I get fucked up most, like by those guys. Uh, no gi, I, I do a lot better. I can hold hold my ground a little bit more. But it's it's super humbling it's going in the gi. no gi. I get humbled too. But in the gi especially, it's just like fuck. These guys just you know. And it's really I feel like it's really good for my game and I improve a lot. But um there's Eckert Tim's dog yes Eckert yeah but um the the COVID hasn't really changed too much I'm still doing my strength and conditioning um usually Tuesday Thursday sometimes Saturday depending on how my body feels and then training uh grappling Monday Wednesday Friday so Sean it seems like you're getting your training in do you find it to be more of a challenge in these days getting sparring partners to commit to training with you right now 
Um, sparring, as in grappling. No, not really. Because yeah. okay. um, Tim and I, people are messaging us, dude. Please let let us come train. Let us come train. Um, you know that we're, we come in and we work hard, and it's uh, it's addicting. People like it and they want to train, but it's nice because you know Tim owns the gym, so we we get to tell we get to pick who comes in, and we're picking tough guys. You know, uh, seeing your last fight, I think what was most impressive was just your overall calmness and composure and coming off of a long layoff. You know, I I was kind of blown away by it, man. You look like you're really coming into your own. You're getting comfortable in the octagon. What do you credit that to? Um, yeah, the, those two years I was off, I did a lot of training mentally, um, whether it was like just the meditation. I, I, I cold plunge every night. I don't know how nice. familiar you guys are with cold plunges, but Hell yeah. I have a, it's just an ice freezer chest. Fill it up with water. Plug that bad boy in. The water gets, you know, you can let it freeze over. It goes anywhere from 30 to 50. That's usually where I get in it. But that's a such a mental test every single night to get in there and be able to quiet my mind. And, and when I – that. Like, when I was taking my dogs on walks before that fight, I would – every night I'd picture Joe Rogan standing there talking to me and, and after I won. And after, you know, just – after it happened, it was it was a powerful moment. But I feel like just the calmness and everything was, you know, just – how I look at fighting too is the more calm I am, the more dangerous I am. You know, you see people have to get mad, fired up, ready to kill. And I feel like that just hinders their performance. But I, I, you know, obviously I don't know if that's true or not. But I feel like for me, the more calm I am, the more dangerous I am. That's music to my ears. Yeah, that's it right there. Sean O'Malley with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So in terms of your calendar, right, the good news for you is unlike a lot of these fighters, you did compete last month. You won a bonus, so you have that traction regained at Bantamweight. Um, but I think for a lot of American fighters – Maybe the calendar gets moved up a little bit potentially if international fighters can't get here. I know you're chomping at the bit. Anything in your head uh, within reason in terms of a calendar as to when you'd like to get back in there? I was kind of just planning on July, International Fight Week in Vegas. Um, but if they said, hey, you want to fight in six weeks, 100%, uh, I'm, I'm down to fight sooner. I'm, I'm you know, pretty healthy, ready to go. So definitely, really, whenever, but... I, I picture myself fighting in July just because I messaged Sean Shelby for that UFC 249 card and said, hey, if anyone falls through, I'm, I'm ready to go. And he said, no, we want to save you for July. So I don't know if, if that's kind of their plan or uh, or what. But I'm ready I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I feel like I'm in, I haven't got out of shape. You know, that's that Monday after the fight, we were, we were back to training. So I'm in, I'm in pretty good shape, um, and I, I'd be ready to go in, in four, five, six weeks. So I know when we sat down with you prior to UFC 248, uh, we were all just soaking it all in at the fighter meeting and, and just listening to you talk uh, with a wisdom that certainly belies your years on this earth. Uh, and the dynamic with you and your girlfriend and Tim Welch and everybody else is just such a tight-knit, mentally fortified group. Uh, in terms of you and Tim, uh, how would you describe sort of the personal and professional dynamic between you, this, this one-two punch? Yeah, so when I moved down to Arizona about six years ago, me and him got an apartment. I didn't know him too well. He had just invited me down to down to Arizona. He seen I had potential, and he said, "Hey, you want to come come down and train at a real gym? Because in Montana, there's not really you can't get great training." And I was, you know, I, I hit him up the next day. I'm like, "I'm ready to come down. I want to come train." So I eventually I came down, tried it out for. I was here for ten days, and just it was. It was not good. I got beat up bad, but I real I'm like that's that's where I need to be if I want to become what I want to become, which is you know the best 
the best to ever do it. And so when, once once we moved down, him and I got an apartment. Um, I think I was 19 when, when we got an apartment. I didn't know how to live by my, you know, live alone. My mom did my laundry, my the, she did the dishes, everything. So I had to, you know, I had to learn a lot about that stuff. Uh, but yeah, we, we lived together for two years. Um, he was still fighting at the time, but every time I had a fight coming up, he would, you know, kind of go back, go into coach mode and, and help me with that. Always flying out to my fights, holding, holding mitts for me. Um, so it's kind of, you know, I think we've had, I've had 11 fights as a pro and then I had I think four fights as an amateur when I lived down four or five. So we've been together for a long time. Um, you know, outside the gym, we're, we're best friends. We hang out, um, you know, we're super close. But inside the gym, you know, I respect him as my coach. And we've, we've been training together for, like, competing against each other. You know, the, the, big, the bigger I got, like, when I weighed 145 pounds, yeah. he's almost 200. It was different. But now that I'm a little bit stronger, we can have better goes. And, you know, I think it's, it's – it's we have a good relationship. So are your parents still planning on moving to, uh, to Arizona, or did that already happen? No, they drove. They actually just drove their motorhome down um, last weekend, which is a 19-hour drive in a motorhome. They're crazy, but <laughs> so they did that. They're they're planning on selling their house in Montana, um, and they're trying to come down as as soon as possible. I think my little sister's moving down here in July. She's gonna go to uh, a community college here and play basketball. So hopefully, getting the whole family down here sooner than later. So, uh, what are your thoughts overall on this bantamweight landscape? Obviously, in a perfect world, this division would keep moving, and Henry would put his belt on the line May 9th, uh, potentially against Dominic Cruz. But any thoughts on on Dom getting the title fight, and overall uh, where the top fifteen is right now? Yeah, the the bantamweight division is the most stacked division you see right now. I think there's just you know, top the the top ten is just crazy right now. Top. Yeah. Um. And then Dom versus Henry. I know Dominic hasn't fought in a couple of years. He's coming off a loss. Um. That that's an interesting fight. I don't really know how to predict that fight. It's just kind of, just because we haven't seen Dominic in a while. And the last time we did see him, he got schooled. So you know that's got to play into him. You know Henry's coming off all these crazy wins. Um. So his confidence is probably riding real high. But it, it's an interesting fight. I, I do feel like uh, Henry would probably Henry could probably beat him. Um, Dominic doesn't really have that knockout power, and I feel like Henry could definitely catch him. But I think uh, Sandhagen would be an interesting matchup versus Henry. Um, Sterling, I think, would be an interesting matchup. There, there's all, all of them are inter- interesting matchups. Um, but Henry versus Dominic, I don't know. Don't you can you know Dominic deserves it looking at his whole career, but coming off the loss and a couple of years ago, it's kind of it's questionable. I know when I sat down with you last month, we talked about your place in this Bantamweight division. And every time Kenny and I look at the rankings and don't see you there, they look wrong. But I know you're not as impatient as some people, uh, you know, on Team O'Malley that are your fans and have created this fan base. Um, But I got to think if July you were fighting Henry Cejudo right now, even if you're a couple years away from maybe your best or your fighting prime, you believe you're ready to beat the top five guys in the world right now. Yes, Absolutely. I feel like I could knock out any any one of them in the top. Well, anyone in the bantamweight division. I feel like my my eyes, my speed, my height. I I, I feel like I could knock out any one of them. Um, but I'm also not in a rush. To say, hey, give me that, give me that title shot. Hey, let me fight a top five because I am 25, and I know once you start fighting 
the best dudes in the world, which I'm going to be re- real soon. Like you don't stop fighting the best guys in the world, especially if you're you're winning. Right. Um, I plan on you know winning. I, I don't. Everyone. I'd like to stay undefeated, but you know it's like when you fight the best dudes in the world, you, you can lose. But I also look at it like if I'm taking each fight a serious serious training camp, um, I feel like I could just keep winning, winning, winning. And, you know, I'm going to go through some wars fighting these top dudes. It's not going to just be a first-round knockout. Just be a first-round knockout. I'm going to have to, you know, be ready to go for 25 minutes when I start fighting main events, title fights. Um, and all that's going to, you know, I'm excited for all that. But I'm also not rushing into it and trying to do that next fight. If I had a fight, a top 10 guy, top 5 guy, there's no doubt in my mind that I could go in there and win. Absolutely. I feel like. With the training partners I have, the skill level I have, the mindset I have, you know, I, I can compete with those guys. Sean, it seems like you're taking the right approach, man. Um, but what are the kind of things that you're working on most right now to get you to that level where you feel you can beat anyone in the top 10? Um, well, say that again. So what are the kind of skills that you're working well, on right now, uh, kind of the, filling in your weaknesses yeah. that you feel are going to help you to beat those guys in the top 10? Um, I feel like the the way to for someone to beat me is try to hold me down, try to take me down, hold me down. Um, I'm super active off my back. I have a really good guillotine. I'm getting a really nasty darse. I'm getting really good in the front headlock position. Um, I'm getting really good at getting up off my back, attacking off my back. So I feel like that way to beat me is going to be – it's not really going to be the answer, I think. And I haven't really got to show that yet besides that quintet, but not a ton of people saw that quintet event. So I still have that in my arsenal where people think, okay, we're going to take him down and beat him. And when they take me down, they're going to get choked. So I think that that I still have uh, is kind of a secret almost. So that's that's not going to be the answer. So right, that's what I'm working on is making sure that's not the answer. Take me down and hold me down. You're not going to be able to do that. Um, I don't think you know very many people are going to want to strike with me. I think once they feel me in the octagon, they feel the speed, and they're getting hit with stuff that they don't really know where it's coming from, that they're going to try to take me down. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm making sure right now, especially like with these training sessions, that that's not going to be able to happen. They're not going to be able to take me down, hold me down. Um, so that, those, those are the things I'm taking. Uh, the skills I'm, I'm trying to attain right now is just be as nasty as I can off my back. You know, I, I, one person I really like to watch is Charles Oliveira. You know, I want to be like him. I want people to be like, damn, I don't want to take him down. So that's, you know, that's kind of the, where I'm going. All right, a couple rapid-fire questions here with Sean O'Malley on the way out. Most likely opponent for you in 2020 from this list, Cheeto Vera, Cody Garbrandt, Pedro Munoz, or Rafael Asuncao? Cody got – I I don't know if it's true, but I heard Cody went down to 25 because I came up – you know, I started, started making my name. I don't know if that's true. Right. Um, so probably not him. I would probably say Cheeto. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I kind of I, I asked for Jose after I came back. I'm like, you know, I was supposed to fight him. He deserves that right. that spot. And I feel like Cheeto does, too. I also heard Cheeto say he doesn't he's not going to look for a fight with me or anything. So I, I don't know. But out of that list, I'd probably, probably say him. And Cheeto's got that number 14 next to his name, at least right now. But I think most guys see you unequivocally with respect to the others in the top 20 as the most dangerous, maybe avoided guy without a number next to his name right now. Um, I know you you keep a sharp diet. Obviously, you're really not getting north of 160 pounds. But, like, it is 420. I mean, do you have a, mm-hmm. a munchy snack that maybe is healthy that, that is a go-to for our listeners out there? A healthy go-to snack. I mean, you can, you can pretty much find anything that you crave – 
you can make it healthy. Um, for me, you know, we might do some healthy organic pizzas tonight. All right. So I'm a big pizza guy, but you can really you can uh, you can make that in a healthy way. So I, I like pizza, just quality organic ingredients, raw cheese, um, grass fed meat. I don't know. You can you, you can uh, you can definitely anything you can think of that you like. You can make it healthy. I like that. That's good advice. All right. Factor fiction. Henry Cejudo will still be the UFC Bantamweight champion at this time next year. Ooh. I'm going to say fact, just because he'll probably fight one time. Well, that right. See, I see how smart this kid <laughs> is, right? See, I had to extend it a full year with yep. the COVID-19 and everything else. But, yeah, it might only be one fight, and he's going to be favored to win it, you know? Yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, he'll, he'll probably beat Dominic and then, and then t- ride out the champ as long as he can. All right, and then last thing. I was watching that Quintet Ultra live. I know Chael Sonnen's submission underground is going strong. I mean, is that something where you could take a grappling thing when you don't have a fight on the books? Uh, and would there be a spot between now and July that there would be something that, that you could wet your beak with? Yeah, definitely. It's just so risky with how good these guys are at leg locks and, and stuff nowadays. It's super. You, we saw what happened to Cub Swanson. It's just so risky to you – know, I love competing in grappling. That's why we do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're competing. Um but to go out there and go against someone I don't know and I don't really trust, obviously right. they're trying to they're trying to win. So it's super risky. Um, I don't know. One thing I, I definitely want to try is the the ADCC trials and stuff. It's just it's it's I don't know if it's a smart career choice, um, just because you never know what can happen in those scenarios. So I would say probably not, but anything could happen. And and if the right opponent, if you know, if I'm getting offered to compete against someone who I know is more of a wrestler who's going to try to put me on my back, pass my guard, you know, take my back, guillotine me, something like that maybe. Uh, but just nowadays, the leg lock guys are just so right, dangerous right. to go with. Oh, that's a that's a smart outlook. Well, it's been a pleasure, obviously, to chat with you and catch up with you and watch you rise. Man, this Bantamweight division is much better with you in it. So stay Thank healthy you, out there, and uh, hopefully International Fight Week will be, the, will be the week, and we'll see you in July, my man. We appreciate your time sincerely. Yes, sir. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, John. Appreciate you guys. There Thanks, Sean. Stay healthy, yep, man. Everyone. Bantamweight contender, the Sugar Show 2.0, Sean O'Malley with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. You know, he there's a cerebral backdrop there Ken Flo right when he talks about even just the grappling matchups but there's so much thought that goes into all of his decisions and uh, I do think it's a pretty potent one-two punch there with Tim Welch who has really put his career on hold and is almost exclusively training Sean to try to get him to that championship level. Well, he's definitely doing the right things, it seems, and saying the right things. Um, I think he has a pretty honest outlook uh, on his training, on his own uh, experience. I I think he's taking the right fights, which is huge. A lot of people get very excited, management and coaches, and they just kind of move you up the ladder as quickly as possible. He's taking the right fights and getting the right experience. It doesn't matter where your skills are at. You need the experience and you need the mindset, and that's what's going to build up uh, the strength of his overall game over time if he continues on this path. So um, I like where he's at in this division, man. All right. Good stuff there. We appreciate the sugar show. Sean O'Malley joining us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Now it is time for the award winning Ray Longo minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And the great Raymond Peter Longo now joins us live from New York roof gate last week, Ray. Any update on the roof, the deck, the house? Please say you got oh, good news for us. 
Unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. First off, uh, uh, Kenny, you're going to love this because yeah, I got a friend. So we do the podcast last week. Obviously, my backyard is, you know, pretty well devastated. The chimney's down. And uh, a friend of mine, the Hulk, who's a big fan of Kenny Florian's. I think that's why he listens to the show more than even me. But he, <laughs> he was listening, Joe. John, why are you laughing, Joe? You think that's impossible? No, I just love like it. Kenny? I'm the president of fucking Team that, Florian. That's why I'm smiling. That was me laughing. I didn't know I still had any fans left out there. That's good. <laughs> big fan. The Hulk is a big fan of Kenny Florian's. And I, I get off about an hour into the podcast. I don't even know what went up that quick. I get a, a text from... From the Hulk, and he goes, uh, I just heard the podcast. I called Abe. He's got you covered. Everything's good. And within, like, you know, by the end of that day, I mean, my heat was turned back on. And within, I'm going to say within 24 hours, uh, you know, Lifetime uh, Chimney, who was run by uh, another friend of mine, Abe. Uh, it, I mean, they had this whole that The chimney was built. The tree was gone. All the thing it was it was like back wow. to normal. It was un- unbelievable, really so unbelievable. Ken Flo star a, power like, expediting the whole goddamn <laughs> process is what you're telling me. And don't and ev- I cannot believe this. Don't ever say I didn't do anything know. for you, Ray. See? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you're you're on the list now, Kenny. I mean, this is huge. <laughs> yes. This All is right. Freaking huge, Mr. Longo. One day, Mr. Longo. One day, I will call upon you. I will call upon you for a favor one day. <laughs> yes, yes, Godfather, I'd be there. Yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that, that, who does that make me, Enzo the Baker? But uh, <laughs> I don't know. But oh, anyway, man. so I mean, I cannot, I cannot believe the job they did. And I like again, I, I was telling a couple of friends of mine, just even the professionalism and just the way he came over and. I can't thank the guy enough, but I mean, because I mean, I was I was really devastated. That oh, moment. I know. It was, it was a shitty feeling, and again, you had to turn the heat off. They had a fire department had to come. They had to check for carbon monoxide. Yeah, it was like one of those deals. You didn't know what was going on, and um, and that was it, man. But back, I'm saying by the end of Tuesday, back to total normal, almost like it never happened. So wow. that what? it was. It, he took care of that thing so quick that it never happened. So again, shout out to Lifetime. Chimney, I mean, f- phenomenal. Cannot go wrong with them. Absolutely blown away by what they did. Great story. That's great that the, this little podcast, yeah. the Anakin Florian podcast, somehow can uh, can facilitate a gig it's, like that. Well, you know, it's great, man. That's what we're here for. Isn't know? that crazy? I mean, you got to remember, these are old school guys. They remember when Kenny was fighting. I mean, you know, the people have short memories, John. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like what can you, it's like not forget about yesterday. What can you do for me today? These are these are true blue loyal fans that awesome. remember those days. Yeah, and and again, I I think it's a great story about people. You know, during this difficult time, and I'm sure you know their business and other businesses are struggling. But the fact that they go out of their way to go out and help people. Those are the kind of stories you just like to hear in, in, in these difficult times. And I don't know. I, I just love it. And, Ray, I'm so glad that it all worked out. Hey, Co-Star alert. Yeah, yeah. I will uh, – I mean, I'd send you the pictures. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that chimney got crushed right down. To, like, again, another foot. That's all, that that tree is on my head, you yeah. know. So it was a uh, it was a crazy time. But I, I again, I agree. In a time like this, where you're trapped in your house for a month already, and then to have that happen, and then to have people just 
not even that what happened, it was just the efficiency and the timeliness was crazy. I mean, it, it, he took care of that shit, which I thought would have just to get somebody over the house would be a week. He took care of it so quick. I'm telling you, my mind, it never even happened at this point. Wow. You know, right. it's like that's how quick it was taken care of, you know. Great, man. Northeasterners, a bunch of fucking doers getting it done. By the way, I, did I just look down at my script the one time in the history of the Anakin Florian podcast that your daughter, True, just walked into the room? Is that what just happened, Ken Florian? I'm fucking looking <laughs> yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, I had my little uh, CNN <laughs> moment just now. My daughter, yeah, and then yeah. she snuck in there. Hey, honey. Hey, yeah. She's oh, yeah, trying to yeah. get those pink shades that are on the table right next to you, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been looking at those the whole exactly. show. Put those and credit to TJ DeSantis, by the way. There it is. Beautiful. Yeah. For getting that audio up quickly last week to make sure that uh, Longo could ultimately get taken care of. Uh, Ray, by the way, Ray, Ray we Ray go ahead, to get on here. No, no, so, it, Ray, it, Ray, you just missed Kenny it, Florian doing his best emoji look with those glasses on. Like th those were great. Put those back oh, on. This is we got to get him on the podcast. We need video of Ray Longo here. Yeah, TJ, he called me during the week. Let's do it a, a trial run, so I know what the hell I'm doing. But wait, you're not going to throw like, TJ under the bus. You said you were not camera ready. He was ready to go. TJ was. Ready. No, that was last week. No, this I'm still not camera ready, but I think this this Cut week I lettuce, was more Ray. camera ready. Cut the lettuce. Oh, no, the lettuce. Get ready. Can, can you imagine, John, what my hair looks like right now? <laughs> it hasn't been cut in about three months. I'm, I, so crazy. You, I mean, go get a pair of scissors, right? See what the wife can do. You know, you got a suck cut, a floby yeah. out there. No, you, you got the Aljamain well, uh, so. going on or what? Yeah, exactly. Well, let me tell yeah. you something. My wife gets a pair of scissors in her hand. She cutting my hair with him. I'm getting stabbed in the, in the fucking heart. Are you kidding? What's the matter with oh, you guys? Man. Put an edge weapon? You want to put an edge weapon in a Cuban's hand? Are you crazy? <laughs> so, uh, a couple other things, Ray. Um, Frankie Edgar, I believe, did an interview with the great John Morgan for MMA Junkie, and he seems to want this Aljamain Sterling fight. I know it was... Uh, it was on the books at one point in time, or at least it was close. Uh, any thoughts on Aljo and Frankie and how that might line up? Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear that yet, but, uh, uh, that's interesting, but I would, that would be, uh, an interesting thing. Look, I, obviously I don't like it on the basis of, I love Frankie and obviously Aljo's, you know, my guy and I like Mark and those guys, but on, other than that, you know, be, you know, it's a, you know, business is business type of deal. Uh, you know, I think that that's a pretty good fight for both guys. So that that's pretty cool. But I, I you know, I never like those fights where you you know the people and you're close to them and right. you know that type of shit. But I think everybody's kind of past that. I would think because it was going to happen already, if I'm right. not mistaken, or was, yep. they were talking about mm -hmm. it. So uh, you know, if Aljo is going to take a fight, Frankie's uh, obviously a big enough name. That if he doesn't get a title shot, I think that that's a pretty cool fight for him. It's a great fight. Kenny Corey that's Sanhagen. Fight, yeah. Corey yeah. Sanhagen took issue with uh, the Edgar interview because he doesn't want to be cut in terms of getting that Aljo fight. But obviously, a lot of huge names in that 35 pound division. We talked to Sugar Sean O'Malley earlier today, so uh, we'll see what happens. See Ray, for me, the fan in me, I want to see Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida go head to head with Matt Serra and Ray Longo. Like I want all of that friction. I want all of that uncomfortableness. <laughs> uh, just bring it all to the surface, and and may the best team win. See, I want to see it. I'm a fan. Wait. You know. Two biggest yeah, teams yeah, on the Northeast. To, yeah, I hate to break the news to you, but there would definitely be no friction at all. I mean, <laughs> I could guarantee. I mean, Sick. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. 
I'm going to tell you, you know, a story. I'm going to cut it like kind of short, but when that fight first went down, and Aljo, I was driving to Atlantic City with Matt, and Al, Aljo called me, and I put him on speakerphone, and he told me, and Matt originally said he wasn't working the corner. He goes, I can't work the corner of that fight. Wow. And I and I go, Aljo, let me let me talk to him for a little bit. You know what I mean? But he he he's so close to Hikado yeah. that his his gut instinct on that was that he wasn't working the corner. You know, I, and I think that changed, but that was his gut reaction, you know, and then, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it and, uh, you know, I think I look at an unbelievable person, really what a, what a sweet guy and what a yeah. great head he's got on his shoulder. And, you know, Mark's a good guy, you know, Mark's, you know, more hyper and crazy, but just another great guy. So that I guarantee you there's no friction. I mean, Aljo Fort Marlin, you know, that, we didn't want to do, but, right. uh, you know, so it's, we've, we've already been there. That's the, that was the point to Matt. This isn't the first time, you know, we've been there, but Frankie adds another dynamic to this. Who doesn't love, love Frankie Edgar. So that right. becomes another problem. You know, Frankie's parent, you know, Frankie's old man's a good guy. Frankie's a great guy. So that stuff for us, you know, you know, we don't look at it like, okay, this is business and you just do what you have to do. It kind of sucks, but you know, right. where that's the, position we're in and we would do it you know so no and i, I think, think aljo might good. have intimated yeah. that in a perfect world just being that close by he and frankie would would train with each other and make each other better but hey if they're going to give you a legend right and an opportunity uh like that you know sterling would be wise not yeah, to that's the, that's the key to the that's the key to the story john frankie's a fucking legend and just you know i'm looking at it more like that just for aljo to have the opportunity to fight a guy like frankie no matter you know no matter where he is in his career is a huge thing, you know, so uh, that on that level, it's it's great, you know, but uh, we'll see what happens. I, 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 I'm just finding that out right now, so that's pretty funny. So, Ray, as we sit here uh, on April 20th, uh, you know, I haven't lost anybody in terms of a friend or a loved one to the coronavirus, uh, but that is not your reality. You know, anyone in New York and yourself specifically, uh, I know, has been touched by this in some way, shape or form, and you've lost a few people. Uh, New York Post sports photographer Anthony Causey, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yes. Uh, yeah. He passed away uh, at 48 years of age. I know he was a huge supporter of yours, and, and I know his passing uh, hit you particularly hard, as it did many of our UFC family. Yeah, it becomes, like, surreal. He was a student of my partner in the fight promotions, Lou Neglia, for years. And I know uh, Anthony's mother reached out to Lou and asked if he could do a motivational video <clears throat> while he was in the hospital, and Lou did, and... You know, uh, unfortunately, a couple of days after, uh, you know, he passed away and and, uh, you know, obviously everybody was devastated. And, and I hadn't seen him in a while, but, you know, I go back literally 25 years. I mean, because, again, he's if he's 48, he was a student of lose when he was was young. And it just it's, uh, you know, and there's been a couple of other students I talked to that had a really rough time. Uh, they they made it, but uh, they said the fatigue level was like insane. Like they couldn't. These are guys that were in shape. They couldn't take two or three steps without you know yeah. gasping for air. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's in New York. It's just a crazy time. It really is. I I think everybody's going through it, but there's something. Uh, I don't know. I think there's something different. We I think we're up to like fifteen thousand people, something like that, and that's. Uh, you know, I don't know, it's five times more than the World Trade Center, and that was devastating. So, 
it's crazy. But yeah, getting back to Anthony Causey, I mean, the I, I, what I didn't realize was the outpouring of love. I didn't realize he was that well known and loved. I mean, what, when I went to look at the comments, I was blown away. Even with the UFC fighters yeah. and, and stuff like that, he had really, like, I want to go, like, I remember when he started out, you know, like when he, you know, when he first had a camera in his hand, that's how long ago it goes back. So, you know, time flies, man. And that was, uh, that was a, that was a tough one, man. But man, if you even go and look at Bruce Beck, when he did the tribute to him, I mean, the guy just broke down crying. It was, it was tough. So was a great guy. And obviously he'll be missed uh, by so many people. And, you know, the first thing that hits me when I look at those things, John is, man, I, I, I hope this guy knew, how much all these people loved him, you know, because I went through that with, you know, the kid that committed suicide, the outpouring of love he got was crazy. And it was like, I don't even know if he knew he had this many people that, that gave a shit about him. So right. anyway, it's a, a sad story, but uh, I think, you know, he, he left behind a great legacy because people, man, the comments were just nonstop and they were beautiful. So thanks for bringing that up, though. So many, of course, he took so many iconic images. Conor McGregor among those coming uh, out and and sort of wishing Anthony Causey and his family the best after his passing. But yeah, he posted something on Instagram like March twenty second. You know, if I get out and beat this thing, you know, the world is in for it or something to that effect. And uh, just unfortunate that he was never uh, able to make it out. I just got a couple more things with you, Ray. Uh, I want to read you this quote, and I'll get Kenny's take on this first and then yours, Ray. This is from Yoana Yeon Jacek from the South China Morning Post. Thanks to BJPenn.com for transcribing this. So this was Yoana Yeon Jacek flow after her fight against Zhang Wei Li last month. They did a small medical procedure on my ear. I had a CAT scan. I had an ultrasound. I had an X-ray. And honestly, after a fight like this, I felt like every touch from the doctors and nurses, everything was so painful. I didn't want anybody to touch my body, and I felt like my heart was bleeding, like my soul was bleeding. I always know that anything can happen in a fight, but I didn't expect to be that bruised and in so much pain. And I was going to lead the show with this because she is just the ultimate warrior. And of all the accolades and championships that have come her way, the most decorated strawweight champion of all time, how about just the, the mental and physical toughness to just walk through hell and, and not fade over 25 minutes in what many believe was the fight of the year last month? You know, uh, listen, yeah. you look at that fight, you look at that fight and, and how it transpired and the damage that both women put on each other. Um, I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised of Ioana kind of being as honest as she is. She usually kind of keeps that pretty close to, uh, to the vest there. And, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's an indication for all the fans out there that, you know, fighters, they, they do suffer. They suffer not only during the fight, but during the training. And um, the the mind and the heart of a fighter is, is something that shouldn't be questioned. And, you know, Ioana has proven that uh, before. Um, but I think this is the kind of fight that kind of defines her legacy in a lot of ways, win or lose. Um, she will always have the respect of, of the fighters, that's for sure, and, and hopefully of the organization for what she's done. But that fight alone really uh, showed just how tough she is and that, you know, fighters don't only deal with, you know, pain and suffering that night. It, it, right. it happens over the course of a few days. You know, I remember I couldn't feel my leg for like six months after the Aldo fight. You know, I like lost feeling in my leg. So there, there's things that fighters go through that people just don't understand. Um, and 
you know, it, it's it's crazy that 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 happened um, for for Ioana. I mean, but you, you look at her face and the swelling that she had in her head and all those things. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad she's okay, but uh, it, it's good to hear that honesty from her, really. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Look, there's nothing you could say. I mean, if you want to be a fighter, that's the fight you should look at first. Because this is, this is the potential of what could happen. And, like, again, it, 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 that is a really great case. for It's really not about winning or losing. It's really about just doing the best you can. And there absolutely is no winner or loser in that fight. And, again, you're going to get, you know, the guys. Well, she didn't get the winning paycheck. You know what, though? But the the dignity and the character that she displayed and the toughness I think is worth more than whatever that check could be. And I know that might sound yeah. stupid, but I think at the end of the day, I mean, if she builds off of that, she'll be way ahead. She can make that up. But I mean, uh, just the mental fortitude that it took uh, to get through that fight again, especially in hindsight, when you saw her even with the interview and she's such a beautiful person inside now it was it was tough because you feel for her and you know the fight game we get that but that's a really beautiful girl that that you know and you know women you know they you know looks are you know could mean a lot and her head was i mean she was unrecognizable after that fight so what great news to hear that she's okay and that uh yeah you know she's she's a she's a fighter and fighters express their feelings they don't bullshit you know there's there's I always say there's no bullshit in the octagon. You know exactly who Joanna is after that fight. There is absolutely no question about it. So I think uh, when you look at it in terms of that, it's it's a it's a great thing. I mean, I don't think anybody could ever say a negative word about her. I mean, I think she proved exactly who she is, and she walked through hell to get to the end of that fight. And again, I I think you know, just seeing that fight and then going to the other fight, you know, which I got criticized to shit for, you know, uh, it, that that's part of the reason is that we just looked at a display of people going for it, you know, at any cost. Right. And, you know, that's, that's what fighting is, man. You got to put it on the line. And yeah. these people do suffer. I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing to be in there and, you know, you know, you take a couple of shots and you're able to give a couple of shots and, you you know, you feel good about that. But when you're after the fact, two months later, right. when you're still feeling lumps on your head, right. it you know, your mind could play tricks on you, too. It's, it, you have to be mentally very, very strong to right. go through seven, all of that stuff, you know. Seven, seven weeks or so later still has the facial bruising. All right, Ray Longo. Hey, thanks, buddy. Hey, the Longo T-shirts, by the way, have been designed. We're just holding off on the release until uh, – until maybe the quarantine is lifted in New York. So the Ray Longo Minute t-shirts are ready to go. And hopefully for your sake, once they are up at AnnaFlorianPodcast.com, they're flying off the shelves. Listen, I got at least, I think I counted 175,000 requests for shirts. So I think wow. we're going to this. Isn't that crazy? Wait. It's amazing. All right, all right well, uh, <laughs> those shirts will be all over New York and, and likely globally as well. Hey, thanks for the time, buddy. Hopefully... Uh, a better week ahead for you. Glad the roof is fixed, and uh, we will talk to you next Monday. Yeah, listen, guys, it was really great talking to you. <laughs> I mean, this quarantine is crazy, but this is like my visit in prison, so I'm loving it. <laughs> no, it's great. This is the therapy. It's your weekly therapy, and if you're not on camera next week, I'm not even sure we're going to give you a buzz, so let's let's iron that out with TJ. <laughs> I'm on, I'm, I'm, uh, listen, I'm 100% on camera next week, and Kenny – I just want to thank you again for the assist on my chimney in my house. You did a, <laughs> you did a great, buddy. 
That's all. Hey, hey listen, my next my next goal now is trying to find someone to cut that hair this week. Have you any uh, <laughs> hairstylists out there that are fans of the flow? Hook yeah. hook long go up. Just yeah. bring a mask. I, <laughs> this is it. You have to make a request every week now for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's the barber this week. It's at Ray Longo MMA on social media. If you guys want yeah. to connect, hey, thanks, Ray. Take it easy, guys. Have a great one. There he is, the Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. Can't be easy to cut hair uh, when you're wearing gloves, but I digress. Support for the Anik and Florian podcast comes from the official electric razor of UFC, Manscaped. Have you ever had an awkward moment where you had to grapple with someone who had like a full bush coming out of their singlet? Well, thankfully, Manscaped has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy. Manscaped truly is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, and their top-notch ball trimmer called the Lawnmower 3.0 will keep you clean without nicks and cuts. Manscaped is partnered with top-tier MMA athletes as well. Mac West Holloway, Francis Ngannou, Brian T. City, Ortega, and many others who understand that hygiene matters and also know what it takes to be the best. Well, so does this revolutionary company, Manscaped. They just redesigned the Lawnmower 3.0, features proprietary advanced skin-safe technology, which truly makes manscaping accidents a thing of the past. And if you're a mixed martial arts fan out there, friendly advice. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. We want to help you get there. To get 20% off and free shipping, go to manscaped.com and use the code AF. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code AF. Thank you, Manscaped, for supporting mixed martial artists worldwide. With that, let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. the time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, it's the moment everybody has been waiting for as we get to our right now pound for pound tournament. Ian Parker now joins us live. So last week, we announced that we were doing this right now pound for pound tournament. We gave our listeners and our viewers the chance to vote on the 16 seed. So the final four were Leon Edwards, Paolo Costa, Colby Covington, and Francis Ngannou. Fans were able to voice their opinions on our hotline, 857-301-8994. You were also able to vote on Twitter and on YouTube. TJ, I believe we have a voicemail uh, or two. Uh, let's hear from uh, at least one of the listeners on who he thought should have won that coveted 16th seed. I got to go with my main man punching a hole in everybody's fucking chest and face. <laughs> Francis Sagano. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to tell those calling the voicemail line to like leave their name, their age, and where they're calling from. At least tell me where you're calling from. Uh, 857-301-8994. We're going to lean on that voicemail line throughout the time we do this right now pound-for-pound pound tournament that hopefully will end just before the UFC resumes its schedule, uh, hopefully on May 9th. All right, so... Ken Flo, we'll start with you. Overall aggregate, roughly 4,000 votes across all polls. Coming in fourth with 11% of the vote, Leon Rocky Edwards. Third, 16% of the vote was Paolo Costa. The runner-up was Colby Covington with 31% of the popular vote. Mm. And the 16th seed goes to the winner, not surprisingly, who will challenge the top seed of John Jones in round one of your tournament. 42% of the vote to the Predator, Francis Ngannou. Interesting. You know, listen, I, I actually thought uh, Paulo Costa would, would get the nod um, just because of the way that he matches up and how well he's done, uh, you know, in the UFC thus far, uh, his style. But uh, it makes sense. I mean, Francis Ngannou, this guy could knock out a rhino. I, I mean, uh, and, and as far as the first round matchup, how interesting is that, dude? I mean, 
and, and that's a fight that could actually happen. So uh, maybe right. we will see this in the future. But I, I love being able to talk about these. Well, and I think what's so interesting about our exercise is that these are matchups that we will be discussing. So it's easy to sit on a pedestal and say George St. Pierre is the best pound for pound fighter in the world. But how about if he has to get through a bracket of 16 guys? You know, how does right. he match up with certain guys at any given weight? Uh, Ian, any surprise from you that Francis Ngannou is the guy and, and locked up that 16th seed in our right now pound for pound? Um, after really thinking about it, because I did say Francis as well, I actually thought Kobe Covington possibly was going to, you know, yeah. take it. Because if you go to height and weight and everyone's the same, it's hard to really get past his output and his cardio especially with his style and a lot of guys in this, um, he might be able to, you know, surprise people with those wins. You know, like if he went against a guy like Dominic Reyes at the same weight, I would probably take Kobe Covington there, you know? So it's, uh, it's interesting. I think what people want to see though is to Kenny's point, And I think I mentioned this last week is Francis versus John Jones could definitely happen in real life. So it's kind of like the reality of that is pretty appetizing in this tournament. So all right, so you can go to AnnaFlorianPodcast.com right now. I'm showing it on YouTube, but there's the bracket. You can fill out a bracket, and basically by the end of this thing, our fan base, our listener base is going to determine who they believe right now in 2020 is the most skilled and best UFC fighter. So I filled out my bracket today, and I'm not really going to divulge the answers necessarily as much as we are going to talk through some of these matchups, but... It really is an interesting exercise to see who emerges, right, and what type of matchups are out there. Uh, but let us start, and we're going to name these quadrants, right? So if you're looking at your bracket, and again, we're not going to go too long on each bracket here. Uh, but basically, if you're looking at your bracket, Johnny Bones is the top seed number one, top left. That is the Anik quadrant. If you move down the Stipe bracket, that is the Longo quadrant. Right across, Team Khabib is at the top of the Florian Quadrant, and then Henry Cejudo is the top seed in the Parker Quadrant. So we have four different quadrants. We're going to start with the Anna Quadrant. we got Johnny Bones, the top seed, against 16th-ranked Francis Ngannou. Pound for pound, skill for skill, Ian, what are your thoughts on the 116 matchup? Before I dive into that, I want to compliment Kenny on his attire today. He obviously chose the Ian Parker Halloween costume, so I find that to be uh, – Pretty awesome. And uh, hopefully we can run a Ray Longo voicemail contest because I swear that sounded a little bit like Southern Ray. So that was pretty cool. Um, for John Jones and Francis Ngannou, you know, he here's how I kind of look at this. I, I kind of see this fight going the way it went with Steve A versus Francis. I think John Jones will have to get close in with Francis, avoid that boxing game, use the leg kicks, and put Ngannou on his back and grind it out. And John has the wrestling to obviously do it. I think this is where, in this fight against DC the first time, where he surprised everyone with the takedowns. I see. So as much as Ngannou's power is exciting, and at 205, you know, we're not seeing him against, like, Henry Cejudo, so the whole height and weight thing isn't too much of a, uh, a dream situation. This, like we said, we could really see this happening, whether it was at 205 or heavyweight. But I'm going to still go with John Jones here. Um, you know, I, I just think his wrestling is the difference maker. So that that's where I would kind of put my uh, two cents in with that fight. All right. The other fight in the Anna Quadrant, Alex Volkanovsky, the eight seed, taking on ninth-ranked Conor McGregor. Volkanovsky just entering his title reign at 145 pounds. Conor McGregor still very much, I think, in his fighting prime. This is one of the more difficult matchups, Kenny, eight versus nine. Any thoughts on Volko and Conor in round one? 
You know, I I really love this matchup. I think Volkanovski would be tough for the first couple rounds. Um, I I don't think he'd be able to hit that takedown uh, or consistently enough anyway against Connor. I think Connor, at the very least, would find a way to get back to his feet. Um, I think that pressure style of Volkanovski, which I feel he would try to play against Connor, uh, would lead him in to at least a couple left hands. Um, and I, I think Connor, when he's on his game, man, he is so sharp with his striking. Uh, and again, this is under the assumption that both these guys are same height, same weight, all that right. stuff. Right. Um, you know, I, I think Connor takes that one based on his experience, based on the fact that he's fought other guys that are similar to Volkanovski, like in Mendez. And um, obviously, it doesn't get any worse than Habib. And, and I think Connor is really motivated by that loss against Habib. I think he's been working a lot on his grappling. Um, and I think he's going to come back a, a much sharper striker. I think he could beat Volkanovski. I, I take Connor in that first round. All right, moving on down to the Longo region. Stipe Miacic, the number four seed, taking on 13th seeded Tyron Woodley. Ian Parker, what do you think about Woodley's potential to spring the upset there in round one? Oh, man. I, um, I don't think he gets it done. I think similar styles, even though they're in different weight classes. Stipe's a very good wrestler. You know, I think uh, Tyron really likes to rely on his – he's become a guy that's relied on his power punching. You know, I think if he were to have to win this fight, he'd have to work the leg kicks, which he's got really strong leg kicks. But we've seen Tyron kind of get away from that a little bit. He's really relied on his hands. And in a boxing match against Stipe, I think Stipe is the more technical boxer. His power, you know, again, at the same height, same weight, I don't know if Woodley's able to get Stipe down. And in that situation, I would put the favor in Stipe's hands. And that's where I would go with that fight. All right, the 5-12 matchup in the NCAA basketball tournament. Obviously, you get a lot of upseats, upseat, upsets historically. Fuck, I'm glad we're not really on the air now. The concede <laughs> style bender. I think a lot of people are going to have style bender as the last man standing, by the way. But his first round matchup, Ken Flo, is against the 12 seed, Dustin Poirier. Oh, man, what a matchup, huh? I mean, D Dustin is so well-rounded. He's so good everywhere. Uh, but he's got to get through uh, Izzy, who is just another class of striker, man. And I think while Dustin is a, a solid grappler, I don't know if he's got the takedown game um, to be able to get in that range and take Izzy down consistently. Uh, Izzy is so good at avoiding the wrestling just by keeping the proper range uh, with his jab, with his long-range weapons, and of course his footwork. Uh, I like Izzy in that one, uh, you know, against Dustin Poirier. All right, now we move across the bracket. So top right, this is the Team Florian Quadrant, the top seed in the Florian region. Khabib Nurmagomedov, the two seed, taking on 15th seeded Dominic Reyes. So, Ian, what I did this morning is I basically came up with my criteria because I filled out the whole bracket, right? So whenever I had a matchup that I could not determine a winner in, I did it analytically and numerically, right? So here were the eight categories, striking, wrestling, grappling, finishing ability, fight IQ, winning percentage, current form, which I think is big, and then intangibles, which could be championship experience, family life, health right now, uh, outside the octagon stuff. Uh, and then you could also do head-to-head -head wins, right? Holloway, Poirier as, as, as a tertiary condition. But whenever I had a really tough matchup, I gave everybody a number one through 10 in those eight categories and just determined who had the higher number. And that was how I chose to attack it. You know, Dominic Reyes, Kenny, could be undefeated right now, right? And then all of a sudden his overall winning percentage is 100% good finishing ability. Uh, and then I think this matchup might be different. Um, 
Khabib, obviously, Ian's going to be pretty tough to uh, dethrone here. Two versus 15. Ian, who do you have? John, I think you're like the dominant cruise of fantasy MMA matchups with your preparation. That was... Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't do know how else to I, do I didn't it. do any of that. Well, I, I, I didn't know how, if I had a close <laughs> matchup, I couldn't figure out. I think I had a fight. Uh, I'm not even going to spoil it, but I had a fight in the semifinals, and I couldn't determine who would win it, so I had to do it that way. Anyway, as you were. No, 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 no. I, I like the way you kind of broke that down because there were some ones that I'm having trouble with. Uh, I didn't even completely do the whole bracket. I'm stuck at the semifinals, and I think the way you just positioned that, I mean, except for family life, I don't know everyone's personal – you know, if it was Darren Till on here, we know he jerks off 10 times a day. So I would choose him to win the whole thing because ah, he's obviously the most fucking relaxed. But uh, in this situation with Habib and Dominic Reyes, you know, again, to your point, it goes by the experience, uh, the finishing rate. I just don't see anyone right now in the world beating Habib in regards to just like if he takes, we haven't seen Dominic Reyes on his back and smothered the way someone like Habib would do it, you know. But to Kenny's point, and this still sticks with me. We haven't seen Khabib get punched in the face so hard more than once that we don't know how he would come back from that. And if he got hit from Dominic Reyes, I'm trying to not think of him as a light heavyweight, but that we don't know how he bounces back. But we do know that he would definitely grab onto a single leg, drag him to the floor and ball him like a fucking bear. So because of that, um, I'm still going to stick with Khabib. You know, I love Dominic in this position. I think he's got the hands to surprise people, but we all know how Khabib pressures. And I think it's too much for most people. So I'm still going to go with the reigning champ. All right, Ken Flo, next dream matchup in your region is the hardest fight for me in round one, I think. Kamaru Usman, the seventh seed, taking on 10th seeded Tony Ferguson. Not out of the realm of possibility that this matchup could conceivably happen, um, but that's actually one place on my bracket that is just empty. I, I was not willing to pick a winner between Kamaru and uh, El Kukui. I'm just trying to get over the shivers of imagining Habib at 205 pounds. Okay, uh, so uh, this is this is the upset upset side of the bracket, uh, you know, for me because Usman is a, a handful for anyone at any weight class. Uh, he's an absolute beast, very similar to a Habib Nurmagomedov, but Tony Ferguson is a different type of animal. This is a guy with so much experience, uh, and I think, you know, Usman has a great. Uh, strategy for most of his fights, right? He he puts pressure on you. He tires guys out. I just don't see that happening against someone like Tony Ferguson. I don't see Tony Ferguson getting tired. This is a guy who has a wrestling background, perhaps not at the level of a of a Usman, but he does have a good wrestling background. Not only that, he has a very good submission game in the transition where he can throw Usman off a lot. Uh, not to mention, he likes to pressure guys. So I would like to see how Usman responds to someone who tries to pressure him. Uh, switching up those stances is very confusing. Tony Ferguson tends to do that. Uh, and, and again, he has a very dangerous uh, submission game uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, to really exchanging in the transition. So I like Tony Ferguson for the upset. The 155-pound division, again, it, it, for me, is the toughest division uh, in the whole UFC. I like Tony to get that win over over Usman, and I, I think very highly of, of Usman, but I think Tony wins that one. Incredible. And again, you can get involved, fill out your own bracket right now, anikflorianpodcast.com, full results in about a month. And that brings us to the fourth and final quadrant, the Parker region. How about that, Ian? You got your own region, and the top seed is Henry Cejudo, the three seed, taking on 14-seeded Robert Whitaker. And again, this is where health and activity might come into play. I mean, neither guy has been super active over the last 12 or 18 months or so, but had we done this exercise a year ago, uh, I think Whitaker, not only would he be higher 
in terms of his seeding. Uh, but I think a lot more people might pick him in this matchup with Cejudo. How'd you have the 314 matchup going, Ian? We'll have to change that promo. Same height, same weight, same terrible health. Um, I think, uh, you know what? Again, going this Kenny, I give you a lot of credit, man. You really made me think because I tried to get out of my brain the size differential and the power. But if you were to put these guys in the same weight, I kind of like Bobby Knuckles here. You know, I don't think Henry takes punches all too well. And if someone doesn't tire out, you know, if Marlon Marais, and I'll leave Kenny to do that impression because it's fucking fantastic. You know, if if Marlon didn't get tired in that fight, he I mean, he's, he was killing Henry in that round one. And I know his coach is very active on our social media page, so I'm sure he's not going to be a fan of the duck. But don't worry, Eric. Oh, sorry about that. Don't worry, Eric. Kenny doesn't follow me either. Um, I think that Bobby Knuckles will be able to prevent the takedown. I don't think Henry is going to get him down so easy. And if it's a stand-up fight, I think Whitaker's got the better hands. I think he has the better power. And we've seen him go five rounds. And you know who we saw him wrestle against and do very well twice? Yoel Romero, who is one of the most explosive wrestlers in the history of MMA, in the history of wrestling ever. And if you could beat a guy like that twice, who's an absolute fucking psychopath, he could beat the king of cringe. So my upset in the duck quadrant, Robbie Whitaker over Triple C. All right, final he round one matchup. Ken Flo seems <laughs> a little bit surprised by the... Uh, no, he was going to do Marlon Moraes. <laughs> I respect the Hobbit Whitaker, but you fucking crazy. Say who the wins out there. Was that Adam who the wins out there? Sounds like Adam Sanders' <laughs> grandma right there. How high Ken Flo can still get. With <laughs> They're you. all going to laugh at you. Oh, <laughs> man. He had to lean back. He had to lean back yes. and release his nuts a little bit to get that high. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I, listen, that's interesting. I, I, you know, That's definitely an upset. I I, I have Cejudo uh, winning that, but okay. that That's fine. I, I like it. I like it. All right. Um, this fight between Daniel Cormier and Max, uh, Max Holloway uh, is amazing for a few different reasons. Obviously, just the matchup, uh, you know, is tremendous. You look at Holloway and how well he's done at 145 pounds and obviously DC MMA, they're, they're, they're friends. Um, and, you know, he's been a champion in two different divisions. Now, Holloway has faced some really tough competition in his day, but he hasn't faced an Olympic-level wrestler like Daniel Cormier and all the experience that he brings into the octagon. So, yeah, striking-wise, if DC stands up with Holloway for 25 minutes, I think you know he probably has the power edge for sure. But uh, Holloway is just so talented on the feet. I, I think he can move and, and kind of outpoint DC on the feet. But I think Cormier would switch things up, utilize his wrestling, utilize his ground and pound, uh, and tire out Holloway. Um, I, I like Cormier to win that one against Max, man. And that is the number six-seeded Daniel Cormier taking on the 11-seed Max Holloway. And as luck would have it, they end up matching up in the first round, which is just absolutely hilarious. I was going upset special on anybody who DC was playing in round one just to try to Me grind too. Here's a little bit. So we'll see if uh, Holloway and Cormier, uh, if it registers on their radar that they are indeed matched up in round one of our right now pound for pound tournament. So again, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com. And basically you can fill out your entire bracket right now. There will be polls on Twitter and YouTube. And when we sit here and reconvene a week from now, we will be down to our Elite Eight and we will talk about the new matchups and see what the discrepancies were just in terms of the fan vote uh, in these 
opening uh, round matchups. All right, Ian Parker, we will get you out of here on this. Tony Ferguson made the decision uh, to make weight. He made 155 pounds last Friday. Uh, you're shaking your head, as are many of the MMA masses. You know, I don't take any issue with it. Uh, far be it from me to criticize or question anything that Tony Ferguson does from a preparation standpoint. I know on the surface, it would appear bizarre, especially when he's fighting a guy in Justin Gaethje in a few weeks, theoretically, who does not cut a lot of weight. Uh, your thoughts on the practice weight cut for Ferguson three weeks before he'll do it for real? Oh, I'm not shaking my head at judgment. I'm shaking my head as the guy's an absolute savage. wonder. He's a savage, wonder, legend, icon, whatever you want to call him. Listen, he went out to prove a point that no matter who they put in front of him, no matter what time, where, what island, what planet, he was going to follow through. And, you know, I don't uh, – is it crazy that he put his body through that when he didn't really have to? Yes. Will it make the weight cut a little bit easier if in three weeks this does happen on May 9th? Probably a little bit. I mean, I'm sure he's going to, you know, blow it up. I'm sure – Kenny, what do you think? 10 to 11 pounds had to have been water to an extent, depending on how hard he really went. But, uh, you know what? I give him a lot of credit. He's a real professional. You know, and I think that's kind of where he was going with this. He's a real champ. I hope one day he gets the undisputed title because if anyone fucking deserves it at this yeah. point, it really is him. You know, no questions asked. That, that Justin Gaethje fight doesn't do anything for him. You know, if you really want to break it down, if he wins by finish, yes, he's even more of an insane individual that we already think he is. And then he just goes right back to fighting Khabib probably anyway. You know, so I just give him all the credit in the world. Not many guys would do what he's doing and make the weight on a non-existent fight. So kudos to Tony. Uh, honestly, I, I hope this guy gets a belt at some point. He's the man. All right, Ian Parker, good stuff today. I know you'd rather be picking fights, but uh, in lieu of that, the right now pound for pound tournament is live. We appreciate your contributions and we will see your handsome face next Monday. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. He's looking good today, Ian Parker. All right, Kevin, we got to uh, we got to bounce on out of here. You know, I've been watching these Meraki BJJ Jiu-Jitsu tutorials and uh, I'm getting better. Uh, it's just there's so <laughs> many steps. Right. And I think that was when I took a few jujitsu lessons back in the day. You know, Kimura sweep and you keep forgetting to post, dude, you keep forgetting to fucking post. <laughs> so I'm about to fucking post and walk out of here and never come back. Pohumpa. <laughs> But there are so many steps, even when you're teaching something so simple, uh, and you make it look so easy, and you certainly have a way with words and a way with students, I, I'm sure. Um, but it just, it, it, it's, I feel like for me, it's just hard because there's so many intricacies, even when I'm watching a very well done tutorial. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, no, it is. It really is. Um, I, I think that's what I've been trying to work on for a while is is trying to boil it down to its essence and trying to make it as simple as possible because there really is a lot going on when you're grappling. And, and the key is, you know, trying to communicate those things as clearly as possible. We've been doing a lot of tutorials and classes on, online on Zoom for our students who have been, you know, supporting us during this tough time. And um, I think that's what a lot of the jiu-jitsu gyms are, are doing or should be doing to try to give back to their students and um, it, it's been a challenge for all the gyms out there, and, and I hope um, everyone who, who's out there struggling, uh, you know, I hope the students who are part of other gyms are continuing to support them. Um, if you can, of course, it's tough for everybody, uh, and I hope a lot of the gyms make it out of this, um, but uh, I'm not so sure about some of them. You know, it, it is going to be a challenge, and especially, you know, with, with this round of funding that just ended, they said the, the PPP plan uh, put out by the SBA and the government, um, kind of the, the funds were depleted, so it just gets a little bit more uh, difficult and challenging for people, but um, hopefully there's another round and, and gyms are able to get that support. Yeah. Most small business owners that I know in my life missed out on that first round of funding and uh, yeah. put the 
pretty big hole. So, yeah, it's interesting to me. The jujitsu stuff is always fascinating for me. Uh, I wonder how much note-taking people do early on in their jujitsu careers mm-hmm. um, to try to sort of not, – not that you're committing steps to memory. I understand there's some instincts involved. But, right. I mean, was that something you ever did early on? Absolutely. It's, it's huge. It was huge for me. I, it's something I still do. Um, you know, so I always try to, uh, put notes in my phone or, or, or journal. I have a whole jujitsu journal. I have a series of jujitsu journals that I write in. And, um, you know, I think something magical happens when you put pen to paper too. I think yeah. it's a, a better way of remembering it. And, um, yeah, so it's something I do. I, I definitely recommend to people to do the same thing, taking notes on, on, on how your journey is progressing, how you're doing, what kind of challenges you're experiencing, write about that stuff, you know, not only about the techniques and what you need to remember, but uh, just the whole journey uh, in and of itself, I think, really helps you to become a more mindful practitioner. Got to get back in there. Come on. Yeah, man. <laughs> you, um, you, got, you got a lot going on, man. A lot right yeah. now. Yeah. Yes, Garage mats yes. are coming. All right. We're going to yeah. bounce on out of here. Thanks to our guest, Sugar Sean O'Malley, Ray Longo, Ian Parker. Shout out to Boss89 for that amazing hip hop track Woo! as well. And the shout out to Ken Flo. Listen all the way through, too. If, uh, it's fire, if you need dude. Feed from Mr. Anik. Uh, thanks to our video producer, Cody Merrow. Our audio guy, of course, is the great TJ DeSantis. All right. Don't forget, fill out those brackets, AnikFlorianPodcast.com. And next week, we will reveal the Elite Eight in our Right Now Pound for Pound tournament. Thank you all for watching, for listening. With that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Annick. Stay healthy, stay safe. Don't text and drive. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.